Welcome to the Rec Center. He's Jack Ferris. I'm Lindsay Joy. It is week two, episode two. What a week it was. I honestly, I think I set a personal record for time looking at a screen in a week, not like phone screen time between my TV and my phone. I don't think I took my eyes away from a screen for more than like an hour a day. I didn't go outside at all this entire week. This is like big time quarantine for me. It's honestly, it's the perfect time for you to be fun employed this, this last week because you can watch TV and it's not like guilt, you know, because when you watch trash, like your any kind of Bravo programming, you kind of feel dirty and gross after like hour four. But if you're watching cable news, you feel like you're getting informed. It feels like educational. It feels like you're, it's hours well spent. You are correct. I will say I don't feel dirty and gross after four hours of Bravo. That is maybe a personal flaw of mine. I can watch 17 hours of Bravo and still feel great. That's just, again, a character trait I've always had. But yes, I mean, I basically watch cable news and honestly some network news for four straight days, I would say. And then that went right into football. The timing of it where we stopped watching the news was Saturday Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Yeah, Saturday morning afternoon. So then we just started watching football for two days. So I actually didn't do a ton of my normal TV watching. But again, I didn't tear my eyes away from the screen. I'm assuming you feel the same way. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I, without getting too political, I started watching Tuesday, woke up Wednesday, and I'm, you know, working from home, and I work, I talk into a microphone on my laptop, so it was very easy for me to just continue watching John King point at the magic map, and I started investing so much time into it, like no joke, four or five hours a day watching, watching whether it was CNN, Fox News, I didn't discriminate, you know? And it, it, I got obsessive over, okay, I need to watch the moment where they announce Joe Biden as the next president. Because, you know, I mean, let's call it spade a spade. We knew that it was, it was leaning that direction. But I wanted to see the first full screen reveal of Joe Biden, president-elect, you know, number 46, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I didn't. Because Saturday, I was like, screw it. I'm over it. I'm watching football. And then, you know, Twitter blew up. And I was like, God damn it. I, w- I missed Wolf making the announcement. Well, you could tell Wolf had, uh, on CNN had, had rehearsed that a little bit. You know, it's, it's like the Jim Nance call. He, he canned his call for that. Yeah. It's funny because I was the same way. I actually, I get up at about eight every day. I slept in on Saturday. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I think I got up at like, I literally woke up at like 10 and I looked at my phone and I had notifications, text messages. And I was like, oh, it actually happened where it started to feel like maybe they just never call it. And maybe we just all exist in this weird purgatory where we just know, but we don't know. And then of course they actually called it. I probably what like 9am Pacific time, maybe a little before that on Saturday. And I also missed the call, the moment I, I started to doubt there was going to be a moment. And then I just entirely blew by it with my sleep. So by the way, <laughs> could you hear that on my on my computer? No, what happened? Good, I'm not the host because I had um, I had some website open and an ad for a Christmas ad for Amazon came up. Oh, is it the ballerina it was one? Chris- Christmassy music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Ads, Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Amazon. I saw that last night. I know a lot of people were talking about it. A great commercial. I'm sure everyone has seen it or will see it a hundred times in the next you know couple couple months, but. Uh, a great ad. All right. So I, we have three recommendations each this week. It's going to be maybe a little different week. Cause like we said, we basically watched cable news for 84 consecutive hours. Um, I will normally be watching 
many more scripted and documentary type shows. It was just a bit of a weird week, but we have recommendations because of course we do. I'm going to let you go first this week. What is your first rec of the week? It's tricky here because I have three recommendations. Two are political. My none, my one non-political is negative. And I feel weird ending on a negative. So let's get the non-political negative out of the way first, if you follow me there. Okay. Okay. We're going, speaking of Amazon, we're going to uh, the Bezos app, Prime. And we are clicking on Vivarium, the Jesse Eisenberg movie that came out. Okay. Now, before I get too far into it, I was recommended this by my sister because she said, quote, uh, it's like a dark Palm Springs. And Palm Springs has been my favorite movie of 2020. Can I say a quick thing? Palm Springs was a little dark itself in ways. They blew up a goat with dynamite. Okay. Well, wait till you see Vivarium. Okay. So the premise is this young couple, they are house hunting, looking to, you know, start their lives. They go to this little housing development and it is out of, I wouldn't even call it a Norman Rockwell painting because it's like dystopia. It's it's like a Tim Burton movie. It's like the town of Edward Scissorhands. You know how everything's like super perfect, but everything's off a little bit. I don't know. The last time you saw Edward Scissorhands was probably 25 years ago. But if you, if you know, you know, Tim Burton, like a little off center and uncomfortable. And that's really the tone for the whole movie. So they get in there, they walk around, they feel like they don't want to do it. But this guy, this real estate agent is really pushy. So they just appease him and they cruise around. And next thing you know, they look around and he's gone and they're stuck in this house and they're like, all right, let's get out of here. So they try to leave the housing development and they can't get out. It's like a maze. It's a labyrinth they're, So they're stuck there. And every day food gets delivered to their house. and it, like I said, it's it's a little bit like Groundhog Day, but time passes. They're aging. And they try to do all the things that you would do to get out of there, like hop houses. They try to burn the goddamn house down. And as you watch it, you're like, okay, this is kind of like the same thing with Palm Springs. You're like, I'm excited to see how they get out of this, you know, what lesson they ultimately have to learn uh, to grow as human, et cetera, et cetera. And the pay the payoff doesn't come. It is in a it's a it's a dark message about nature versus nurture. I'll say that. However, the critics' reviews are really really good on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, by really really good, I mean like mid sixties. The viewer reviews are like it's like eighteen. So I could totally see that. Anyway, if you're in a in a weird mood and you want to feel weird, Jesse Eisenberg is. Jesse Eisenberg. He's being frustrated in, in, a, in a nerd way. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an hour and a half. It's, it's super weird. If you like Groundhog Day and want to see a dark version, go for it. But it's going to make you feel weird afterwards. What genre? Is it horror or is it just like thriller? So that's a good question. I is would, it genre bending? I, yeah, I would call it horror. But if you're looking for like jump scares, it's not going to happen. You're just going to be creeped out the whole time. Um, there's a there's a third character that's introduced. I don't want to give too much away, but that third character is he will make your skin crawl. How okay. how odd he is. How based in reality is it? Not in the sense that you could ever get trapped in a in a house, but are there ghouls and goblins and like weird shapes? There's definitely there's definitely exterior forces at play. Like a lost like I said, smoke monster. 
Yeah, well, there's every like two or three days, there's a magic box that's placed outside the house with all the supplies that they need for the next week or so. And they, you know, they, they try to stay up, they try to wait for the person to drop off the box and something always happens where they have to run inside or they fall asleep and the box is there and they, and they miss it. Um, so there's clues that are dropped off by these, these powers. You, you kind of have the sense that they're in a fishbowl being watched. It's bizarre. It's, a, it's an interesting concept. It's bizarre. Okay, I have no further questions on this one. I probably will not be watching this. Give me the name one more time, and it's on Amazon Prime. Vivarium. Okay. Which makes me, th- I saw it, and it made me think of Vibranium, which I was like, oh, is this going to be like a delightful Marvel romp? Okay. Vibranium is, the, is the, the precious ore that is only produced in Wakanda, Lindsay, if you didn't know that. I will see Black Panther at some point in my life. I have not. And for that, I am sorry. I haven't seen a Marvel movie since like the initial Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. So actually, no, I saw Iron Man, um, but I'm not a Marvel person. I feel like that'll be a theme throughout this uh, podcast, just in general, that I don't participate in the Marvel Expanded Universe. So I'm sorry. Um, All right. Let me get into it with this. I love The Queen's Gambit so much. I love it so, so much. It is my first recommendation. It's my favorite show of the year that's not named Normal People. It might be my favorite show of the year. And I will typically, for this podcast, my mindset is that I will try to not recommend things that are number one on Netflix, because if they are, there's 30 million people that have seen them. And I understand that. I want to recommend things to people because we're watching a lot of the more obscure things. I want to go more into that obscure realm this show is number one on Netflix right now. It's been out since late October. Yeah, I don't know wh- it's, it's been number one for two weeks. I don't know why I didn't watch it until this week, but again, that's a failure of mine. I've been in a weird place with cable news. Um, it is, it's a miniseries. It's a Netflix miniseries. It is seven episodes. It is so good. It is, everything about it is good. The acting, the writing, it's based on a book from the 80s. It was adapted um, from a novel. However, it is clearly expanded upon because it's seven episodes. My only one critique is that some of the episodes are a full 60 plus minutes, which is not my favorite thing in a show. So I watched the first couple episodes and I thought, I don't know if I really want to binge this. Maybe it's something I watch more every few days because the episodes were longer. And then I watched five in a row and then I watched the fine. I watched the whole thing within 24 hours. Um, it is a show about a chess prodigy who grows up and you watch her throughout her life Uh, she was an orphan learns to play chess at the orphanage is just a genius overall but she's a flawed genius and i love a flawed genius and she's got some vices she's got some pretty hardcore vices which is just interesting to watch the development and how they bring that into the chess and everything it's the wallpaper is amazing. The outfits are amazing. Like everything about the show, I don't want to say is tailored to me, but just I love everything about it. I don't want to spoil anything. Go watch the show. I can't recommend it enough. I think everyone will love it. What is your take on it? Because I really do well, think it kind of is for everyone. Aesthetically, I'll start there. As you mentioned, it's based in mid 60s middle America. So yeah, the style is really unique. The wallpaper is puke in your mouth gross although not as puke in your mouth gross as the 70s so i thought it was fun i thought the wallpaper was fun anyway but no to your point uh it's definitely a feminist series but i think it's the first uh, 
feminist movie or TV show I've seen in a long time, or at least I can think of, where, as you said, she is a far from perfect human being. She is very good at chess, uh, and she has a substance abuse issue that would make your awkward drunk uncle blush. Yeah, so, and I love that. And it kind of shows you how she got that way. She was born with it a little bit. She had a little bit of issues uh, growing in the orphanage. But then also her adopted mother clearly has issues. And she kind of, you know, says it's okay to to drink at 9 a.m. in the morning. And you know what? Maybe for some people that's okay. Uh, I will say one of my favorite parts of the, the film or the series is that uh, 15, 20 minutes in, you get a little dose of my guy, Bill Camp. And if you don't know who Bill Camp is, Google him real quick and you'll be like, oh, that's the guy that's in every good movie and series that I've watched in the last five years. He is the, the janitor that teaches her how to play chess. Shout out to Mr. Scheibel. Love the character. One random thing that I want to say was one of my favorite obscure parts of this was there's a chess match where people are waiting outside listening to the radio and it's like remember toronto raptors fans when they would watch the games outside in like the toronto square for the championship it's like that i just i really appreciate the passionate chess fans just like they're so into chess and i don't think it would be like that now but i believe that maybe in the 60s in a foreign country i won't say which one that it would be that way Oh, 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 yeah. Well, we oh, have those classic Cold wait, War matches. You might not be towards the end of it. I'm not, but I mean, okay. I, I get it. I thought you were saying what what used to always take me out of um, Mighty Ducks 2 was when Emilio Estevez, his head got, Coach Bombay, his head got too big because all of a sudden they were doing well in the Goodwill games and he was like on the cover of Wheaties boxes and doing like promos and stuff. I just, that, that's where they lost me. Yeah. Well, the Goodwill games, you know. Big fan support. I don't think it moves the needle very, very much. Anyway, right. okay. So yeah. watch the Queen's Gambit, finish it. Let me know what you think. It is a great mini series. It's going to be all the awards next year. It's, it's everything. So get on that ASAP. What is your second rec? Okay. Back to Showtime. I might've mentioned this a week ago. It's the Comey rule. It is a mini series, but there's only two parts. It's an hour and a half and two hours. So you could easily watch it over two nights or if you're losers like Joy and I, you could watch it in an afternoon, no problem. Jeff Daniels as uh, former FBI director Comey and Brennan Gleason in a very convincing Trump role. And uh, what it is, it's, I think it picks up uh, late 2014, early 2015, and obviously goes through the whole uh, email controversy with Hillary but what's great about it, and again, like I said, I, people who are maybe right of center listening to this could be like, oh, that's classic. They're picking some liberal agenda garbage. If you watch it, they do a really good job of showing that the FBI agents were very flawed and had their own issues. And there was some infidelity within the FBI office. Um, but, uh, you know, Comey's whole thing was he was trying to be apolitical because the FBI should not be political. He's right there. But uh, circumstances led him to have to drop the hammer like a week before the 2016 election. And it's kind of lost in the shuffle looking back, but he had a big hand in, in, uh, in how that election went. And I think that's just a bipartisan fact. The FBI had a big hand in, in which way people 
voted. And it, it's cool to look back. Like I said, the acting's tremendous. Jeff Daniels and Brendan Gleeson uh, as two historical figures. Boom. I, yeah, I have yet to see this. Um, it's been on my to-do list for a long time. I figure I'll squeeze it in one day when I'm in the right mood for it. But so you, you recommended it as you think it is good. I do. I okay. recommend it. Yeah. Because that- if, people, if, if people need some more politics stuff, yeah, well, right. We haven't. We don't have our fill this week. We need. We need more. Like, if you come out of this week and you're like, I really want to delve more into politics. Good for you. I don't know. If already, that's how I feel. I'm looking at odds of uh, 2024 GOP candidates. Stay away. You know. You know? Stay away. That I'm is enough. I don't even like to do season long bets because I'm instant gratification. I want the payout now. Unless it would be like a Zags to win. You know, seven to two odds. Just throw twenty yeah. on that. But. Other than that, what, it's not fun. You want to no, wait till twenty twenty four? Uh, yeah. It's an incredible I'm amount inst- of self. I'm instant. I'm instant gratification too. I think that's the biggest sign of immaturity. So, <laughs> well, that's our generation. Using so. a pod there, yeah, yeah. All right, my second rec is also a docu series. Although yours is, um, sorry, yours is not a documentary. It was a mini series. It's a mini series, yeah. It's based on a real story, but it's scripted. So, yeah. Um, Mine is going to be not scripted. It's a docu-series also on Showtime. I hope our listeners have Showtime. If not, hit us up. We can maybe hook you up. That's the thing. I'm trying when I'm in the early days of this, I'm trying my best not to do too much HBO because obviously everyone, anything released within under HBO is immediately going to get my attention. And so I feel like I need to do my best to push people in other directions or, or pull people. I like that. My only thing is I think HBO is more, has more subscribers. I mean, that's probably a fact, right? So I want people to be like, oh yeah, I have that. I can go watch it as opposed to, oh, I don't have stars, which I do watch stuff on stars, but I don't know how many people, no, no knocks on stars. I just don't know how many people actually subscribe. Um, This is Showtime. It's from the summer. It is called Outcry. It didn't get a lot of attention because the summer, right? We had kind of a crazy summer, but I want to say it's a five-part docuseries, and it's a high school football player in Texas. Um, The case is a couple years old. He gets accused of a horrible crime, and it follows everything from the trial, um, the result of that trial, and then the aftermath. Well, it starts with the the accusation and the arrest, right? Yeah. Yes. So he, yeah. So he is arrested and it it does a really good job of setting everything up. And like I said, it follows every part of the case, which is just a fascinating one. And I Googled it after because remember when making a murder came out and it was like, we all kind of had our minds made up watching the show, whatever you think, if you think he did it or not, I think everyone came out of that with it was polarizing, right? So everyone had their mind made up if he did it or not. And then you Googled it. Hashtag hashtag free Brendan. I don't, he's still in, okay, we're not, we're not going there. I, was saying, I think he's still in jail, but his case, I feel like was uh, in the appeals courts for so long. But so with making a murderer, you Googled it after and you realized there was a lot of facts that were left out of the documentary. And it felt like maybe the filmmakers were kind of picking and choosing certain things to sway viewers one way or another. So I Googled outcry to see if that was the case, if there was anything that was left out but it seems pretty comprehensive it seems like there's no there's nothing i can find where it's like this is problematic this was left out so it's i recommend it because a it's fascinating and b it seems to be a pretty fair assessment of what happened um in those years and again this 
this case was uh, just a very interesting one, and it's interesting to see kind of the aftermath of it. So, strong recommendation for Outcry. Have you watched the show? I yeah, I agree. And uh, to your point as to whether or not it, it's fair, I would go beyond that in saying the first episode. I was like, this guy's a sick fuck. Sorry for the swear word. Sorry for the swear word, kids. Uh, they do a good job of like, because the op- this isn't spoiling anything. The opening of the whatever six hour docuseries is this five, six year old kid uh, telling some social worker what some 17 year old star football did, player did to him. And it is coming straight from the kid's mouth. It is, it's, it makes your skin crawl. I think I've said skin crawl a couple times on this. Yeah, well, uncomfortable podcast. <laughs> but no, yeah. To Lindsay's point, I they they don't make you feel one way or another the whole time. You kind of go back and forth, and the cops they let the cops come on and speak their piece as to why they did certain things, and then you know obviously you'll make up your own mind as to whether or not the cops did the right things. Spoiler alert: they didn't. But uh, <laughs> I mean that's that's classic with this with this kind of stuff. But no, yeah, it's good. It's like a dateline. The the joke with dateline is they'll make you think anyone's guilty for 30 minutes and then they'll kind of reveal more of the story. And it, it is like that in that sense, but also it, it's pretty good with getting every perspective. Um, there is a victim's advocate, I will say, because the victims are children, they're not speaking. Um, that is one thing maybe, but it's, they did the best they could um, in, in putting together this docuseries. I highly recommend it. The reason I do in part is because I have watched The Vow seduced which are both about the nexium cult and then i've also watched um love fraud was a showtime docuseries about a different case that was um i saw one thing that said it was better than the jinx which don't advertise your show that way ever because nothing is better than the jinx so i watched all three of those and by far outcry was better and it didn't get half or a fraction of the publicity that all those other ones did yeah, like you said, uh, Showtime, it was released in the middle of the summer when, you know, the world was on fire. I, I honestly think it came out Memorial Day weekend, George Floyd weekend. It you know was what? right around I, there. I want to say, say it was the first week of June. Okay, so, same thing. Yes. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it, it just, there were much more pressing things happening yeah. in the world. And we were all talking about those and not about this. So strong recommendation there. Tell me your third wreck of the week. Uh, third wreck of the week. I definitely mentioned this last time. Uh, it's Billy Corbin's latest documentary. Back to HBO we go. It is 537 votes. We, if you're listening to this and you're around our age, you remember Elian Gonzalez and that it was a really big deal, but you don't remember the political wake it left when, you know, Janet Reno's federal agents ran in there with guns and and grabbed this five, six year old kid and, and booted him back to Cuba. It is, it stands up in a big way now because you understand why Cubans are so turned off by the democratic party. Uh, Obviously if you're a Cuban exile, you're not big on socialism. So what's the opposite in this country, at least of socialism. It's for the most part, the Republican party. I know that's a sweeping generalization, but you know what I mean? Uh, so it actually makes a ton of sense because you think, why would these, you know, why, why would any minority in their right mind vote for Trump? Why would any, you know, I don't want to use the word refugee. Why would any 
I guess minority minority safe. Why would it? Why would any? Well, Latin American. Not, the Latin or, American. Yeah, but again, like it's so. You watch this documentary and you realize, oh, you just can't, Cubans are just a whole different animal. They're they can't be described as Hispanics or in the Latinx community, and it'll make more sense when you watch it. Anyway, Elian Gonzalez was uh, exported like nine months before the 2000 election. So you get all that juice, you get the crooked politics that was going on inside Miami at the time, and then you get the political fallout of the recount and, and the craziness that happened uh, when, when George W. and Al Gore did battle in the, in the courts for about a month. And again, I know we all lived through it. I know we all have a, have a vague idea as to what goes on, what happened down there. But if you look through it, uh, with 2020 eyeglasses, it makes a whole different level of sense. Okay, so I will catch that one. I don't know if that's the mood I'm in currently. Do you have anything else to say before I get into my no. third quickly? Go. Okay, I'm going to take us in a 180. We're doing a 180. My third rec is just watch Christmas movies. Now, starting in October, I know there's this whole... Don't put Christmas decorations out. Don't put your tree up. Don't put them in the store. Don't listen to Christmas music. There's this whole war. Like you're either a person who supports delving into Christmas November 1st or you're on the other side, right? Like it became this huge polarizing topic. Like, I don't know. When we were kids, I feel like it started to become an issue of people getting mad about Target having Christmas decorations up or Christmas things for sale in, in October. Just Just do it. Just give it a try. You don't have to put your tree up. But Netflix released two Christmas E movies. I will say I think they released them early because is one of them Holiday. So Holiday and Operation Christmas Drop both I dropped. Got, I got a textual message from a good former coworker of mine, who I, you probably have a few of these people in your contacts. You talk once every three four months about something that happened to an old mutual friend, or they need to recommend something to you, or vice versa on on television, right? She just asked, have you seen Holiday yet? Oh, interesting. So I would argue um, this movie is not worth reaching out to old friends about because it's just not that that good. Um, You know, it's funny. So so Operation Operation Christmas Drop is the other one that came out. And it is um, also, it's Christmassy, but it's it's on an island. So it doesn't have the snow. It's not the typical Christmas vibe, but it is a Christmas movie. And that one has mid-60s on Rotten Tomatoes. Like you referenced earlier, is pretty good. Um, the Holiday has a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. So in general, the reaction to The Holiday has just been, it is not a very good movie. I very much enjoyed it. I do think you would enjoy it. But I, I also think that a lot of people are going to watch it and be like, wait, this is a little dumb. But yeah. isn't that the point of Christmas movies? It's a little dumb. It's a little entertaining. Just... If you have the Hallmark Channel, which most people don't, and they actually make their movies really hard to find. They're not streaming. They're not on demand. Those ones are a little tougher to come by. But do that. Netflix has, I mean, they have like the Jim Carrey Grinch, right? Yeah, there's there's not a halfway. If you're into Christmas movies, you are 125% into Christmas movies. You know, if you are, if you are that kind of person, I don't want to say, I almost said girl. Mm-mm. because that would be sexist but if you're that kind of girl who's into hallmark movies you need your fix come december you could be and a guy into hallmark movies can you uh, will ferrell made one just for fun 
Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, gee whiz. Did I think we had our first um, non-recommendation in Vivarium. Yeah, and we had a, our, that was a landmark for us. We had our first sweeping general recommendation in just watch Christmas movies. Try, try the holiday. Give it thirty minutes. I don't know. Okay. You, uh, you let you me know me, what you, you think. Told me it wasn't good. You just you literally no. just said it's not worth reaching out reaching out to an old friend about. I thought that's the premise of this whole podcast is about reaching out to old friends about is is about yay or nay on things. Well, it's episode two, and I've already broken the entire yeah. show. I apologize. Yeah. It's no okay. My final ruling on the holiday is that it is a yay, but don't get mad at me if you watch it and you're like, this is dumb. Why did you tell me to watch it? I don't think you fundamentally understand what it is to recommend something to somebody then. Because when you recommend somebody for, for good or bad, you are endorsing that, that movie or TV show. That's what recommending is. But is you it okay? Can't, you can't just say, give me credit if you love it. Stop the vote if I'm ahead. Keep counting if I'm behind. That's what you're doing right now. I'm trying to, you're just wading back into the political waters and I'm trying to get us back out of the political waters. But I, I will, I will say sometimes I recommend stuff and I'm like, it's silly, but it's enjoyable. It should make you happy. But if it doesn't make you happy, don't get mad at me. That's where I'm at with the holiday. Elian Gonzalez just had a kid this year. Because guess what? You'll, you'll go on a deep Elian Gonzalez dive after 537 votes. All right. Jack is just trying to give you all the hard news, all of the stuff that no one wants. I'm trying to make everyone happy. This is just what the show is going to be, arguing about recommendations. Uh, we're going to go watch more TV, better TV. Maybe Jack will get out of the political waters. Tune in next week to find out. Goodbye. Okay,